right, you bunch of yahoos. Strap yourselves in for another episode of Dan and Don's Toxic Masculinity. In other words, shut up, sit up, and pay attention. Here we go, and welcome back to another episode of Toxic Masculinity, where we are here to entertain, offend, and defend anybody and everybody that we decide to. We're willing to offer up our political satire approach to views both domestically and abroad. We're just a couple of crotchety old farts that have a bad habit of speaking the truth, but won't let a few facts get in the way of a good old story. We believe in America and Americans. And if this isn't for you, well, then I suggest you change the channel. We still believe in freedom of speech and we'll rub your face into the cow pie of reality. We will make you scratch your head or scratch your ass, hopefully not at the same time. Without further ado, my cohort in crime, none other than the man of men, Don the Predator Fry, and I, his trusty sidekick, Dan to be Severn. And we're probably without Quinn here this evening. No, I'm uh, right the, oh, okay, yeah. well, Quinn, Quinn, she'll make her cameo a little bit later here. Yeah. And really, we've, we've got uh, we've got someone that, that really should, should not require any real introduction. Uh, he basically... <laughs> shattered Don Fry's knockout record of eight seconds by taking out his opponent in five seconds in the UFC when he knocked out Ben Asterson in, in, in a thing in a match that if you if you bent over to pick up your drink you missed the whole you missed the whole fight. We got Jorge Mastodon joining us this evening. So Jorge we appreciate having you on here this evening. Thank you my brothers man huge fan of both of you guys. I uh I was watching UFC since since like the First one, um, when you UFC was actually uh like a gift to me, I always thought because it came out on my birthday, November twelfth. I was nine years old when the UFC first came out, but I I didn't find the UFC myself till I was like eleven, um, twelve. I, I I'm sure you guys remember they used to have those illegal like cable boxes where you yeah. could get like anything. They were small and black. So a friend of mine had that, and um, I just remember like watching the fights and seeing you guys compete, bare knuckle. Everything goes. I was like, "What in the hell is this?" I had I, I had already known about boxing since I was like seven, eight years old. I was a big, big boxing fan. I, I it was like the only sport that I watched. I never watched like football, basketball, any other sport but boxing until the UFC came. So it's always awesome to, to talk to like real pioneers, real OGs of the game. You guys did three, four nights. I mean, four fights in one night, bare knuckle. Everything goes. It's just it's it's a different ball game, man. So uh, well, that, that's pleasure. I would say that our our youth. Our youth today, and again, I'm not talking about really, really young people. People are so forgetful in America. I mean, you, if you really want to really appreciate the United States, just go to a few other foreign countries. Spend a couple of weeks there, and you'll have a, a much greater appreciation of what the United States really stands for and represents. And, uh, you know, I'm not trying to get into the political sense. That it might make you a little bit more matter about the, the current state of affairs of how the country is. So... Yeah. I, I mean, I'm all for the politics, so whatever way you want to take this conversation, man. We, we go on for hours about what they're doing in our beautiful country. I think just like you said, um, the greatest country in the world. My my, my parents escaped uh, communism. My dad at uh, 15 years old, him and his best friend, they found the tire tractor and they got two of them together. They made a raft and they hit the high seas. They got to the Bahamas seven days later. And from there, he got extradited to uh to America, and he began his journey. You know, so um I, I'm very familiar with with like what we don't want our country to be like, and that's socialism, communism, anything of that nature. You know, so I uh I know that without a doubt in my mind, this is the greatest country in the world. 
Okay, all right, let, let's keep on that subject for a moment there. Most Americans just, they don't know how to appreciate the things that we have. They, they take for granted the fact that you could go over to a wall and flip a switch and there's electricity. You could go to your kitchen and turn on a faucet and there's running water in your kitchen, inside your home. I go, I've, I've been to places, there's still places even in Arizona that you could go to that are really sad of how people are living, where they have to go to a well water. And that to take, they don't have running water, they have outhouses and things of that nature. Well, again, I, I'm not trying to speak too highly because I still remember going to my grandparents' home. The only running water that they had in their home was they had a mudroom, and inside the mudroom, the mudroom is just when you first come off the farm, you're taking off all your, your big muddy boots, your coats, stuff like that, hanging them in there because you're not going to track it into grandma's house in, a, in the process. And the only running water was a hand pump that was inside the mudroom. And it's like, you know, so it, it, there was no hot water heater. There was a pot belly stove that they would heat up kettles of water, stuff like that. Onto. So, I mean, I, I remember seeing this as a youngster going to my grandparents' home. So, again, it's, it's not that far removed. So, I'm, I'm really big about trying to remember. Well, <laughs> yeah, Jorge, this, I have to, Don likes to keep throwing me underneath the bus, but that's okay. I, that's what I'm here for. You know, but uh, you are the, 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 America's we're just they're just too quick to forget. And because we have it so easy compared to so many other countries, we just we kind of like lay back and just keep letting it go. Keep that side. We don't hold a people. We don't hold people accountable for their actions or for, again, politicians. For what they say, you said you're going to do all these wonderful things. What have you done? Nothing. To me, it's like going, be held accountable for what you promise and what you deliver. Because that, that, that's what politicians do. They're like the sleaziest of the car salesmen. You know, there is some good politicians out there, but I think something that you know, I, and I've heard Trump talk about it a lot. I, I wish it could happen. Is uh, maybe they could start putting like terms on on how long you could hold a position, like uh, uh you know, like. Put a, a guy like Joe Biden is incompetent as he is. He's been in, in there forever, you know, forty something plus years. years. Yeah. Well, again, Nancy you, Pelosi, you could you could go down the list. Like right there. Nancy Nancy Pelosi has been there. Enough. Nancy Pelosi, I think, has been in there since they invented paper. You know, so great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, career it's politicians. Not. It's kind of like if if, if 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 a president is only allowed, I think, a max of two terms. I mean, I, I look at other people; they should be the same way. Just go in. Serve your your purpose for for a couple of terms, move on. Let the let yeah, the maybe, young people who actually are like, still, you know, say again. Maybe we give them like three terms, like you're saying. Give them like two, three terms, and then next, yeah. you know, because if not, people hold too much power. We see what the, what the FBI's done. Have they been weaponized against American citizens? For you know, you going to a parent teacher meeting and asking questions that and not agreeing with them on their gender on this new gender stuff. Now, all of a sudden the FBI is interrogating our citizens. It's crazy. Like they work for us. You know, we're not fucking terrorists. We're not, the FBI should never be talking to a citizen that's just a concerned parent. So it, it's uh the country's taking a, a, you know, it's all started from Corona, but ever since then it's taken a, a fast forward into like a weird place in time so fast, like right around Corona it started and then it warp speeded us into where we're at now. It's just nuts. Okay. Well, 
I'll, I'll, okay, I'll, I'll switch gears out here right now. Go, go go back to again. You said your first was 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 lost. Your first love was actually watching boxing, and then did you? But did you pursue boxing in the beginning then yourself or? Oh, I I mean I would pursue it like in the living room, start messing around. You know, I I uh, since since a kid, the the my dad would always remind me that uh when I was like around three years old, I discovered like those kung fu movies and stuff like that, and that's where my first. Uh, love for like combat began as as my dad recalls it. You know, he says I I, I was incredibly hyper, ADHD, and, and you couldn't get me to sit for a second. But if there was kung fu movies on, and when they would come on on Saturdays and have these marathons, my dad says I wouldn't move. It could be three hours. I'm just eating and watching these things. You know, so combat always was Intrigued. something that spoke to my soul, to my heart. It just it just always captivated me. So um. At a family party, I'm like, I, I could kind of vaguely remember the, the party, um, seven or eight years old. And there's these two guys like fighting in the ring and they got like big gloves on. They got shorts. And I'm like, what? And they, this ain't Kung Fu. What the hell is this? No, this is called boxing. Oh, OK, cool. And now I'm watching these guys beat the crap out of each other. I'm like, this is the coolest thing in the effing world, man. Where the hell has this been, you know? And I was, uh, I would, I would try to watch the boxing fights, try to remember like names and stuff. And as I kept getting older, I was like a vacuum cleaner for any knowledge in boxing. I, I knew, like for a young kid, I, I knew like a lot. I, I read a lot that I could on boxing. I tried to watch like whatever film I could get. And then eventually the UFC came out, and I discovered, and I was like 11, 12, I would say. And then I was just hooked, man. I was like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> I was at every. I was at every blockbuster tell Dean that I'm doing a podcast. I was at every blockbuster that I could possibly be at to get my hands on a on a freaking UFC DVD. I mean not DVD, but the VHS cassettes. Yep. I'd go to the different freaking the different stores just so like I find like a different UFC, you know. So I was I was diehard UFC since I saw it. It was the only sport I ingested, you know. Yeah, the, the, okay. The funny part, when you had to go to that blockbuster to find those UFC uh videos, I go. The funny part is it was always over there by the adult section. It was always by the porn. I don't know why that was, but I, I've been to several different uh, uh, blockbusters, and it, it, they always had all these fighting things were always by the porn. I'm thinking, well, this is kind of weird. I mean, I don't want to be looking a lot like I, I've got my trench coat on over here trying to get up my USC tapes or something like this, because that was the only way that you could actually find out anything was to watch these, these old tapes. The younger people aren't going to understand that because they're like, "Oh, you mean you? It that wasn't was just cool. streaming? No, because they all they all yeah. think they're no. streaming nowadays." You had to go to like this brick and mortar type store and freaking wait in line and get your tape, and then hopefully it was there because only had like two, three copies. Of it, you yeah. Know? So I mean, I I would drive my bike. I remember since I was like thirteen years old, and I would do whatever it would take to to get the UFCs. You know. I still remember my, my first time uh, that a friend of mine, because the UFC pay-per-views were not prevalent at the time. You had to be, you had to live in a major city to actually watch a pay-per-view because the pay-per-views at the time were being shown at local movie theaters. Watch. Oh, yeah. wow. At, at movie okay. theaters. They'd actually be playing the pay-per-view. So you had to be and 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 living in around a major city. I lived out in little Coldwater, Michigan. We didn't, Coar is just this little hole in the wall type of place, not, not a major city whatsoever. So, you know, over Detroit or up in Flint or uh, Bay City or, or, or Grand Rapids, a, a big, much bigger city, they had the movie theaters. They were they would know about this stuff. 
a dead friend of mine simply just watched the first couple and he basically just said, hey, you ought to think about doing this. And then he, he basically brought over an old VHS tape that had some of the matches on there. And I'm watching people being, you know, kicked in the face, you know, this, that, the whole nine yards. It's just, it, it just like, no holds barred. Anything goes. I'm thinking, geez, so Pete, I'm thinking, I go, is this, first off, I'm thinking to myself, is this legal? I mean, this is something that you, you think that would be in some warehouse building or something like that. And uh, men are, are betting on, you know, human cock waiting or something of this nature. But it's like, oh, no, no, it's actually legit. And uh, yeah, there's like one weight class, anything. <laughs> and, Nuts. And Nuts, I, man. I called Severin up and I said, get me in on this, Severin. He says, yeah. And then I fly all the way to Atlanta. You know, he gets me a fight in Atlanta and it's in a warehouse. You know? <laughs> and I didn't get paid. <laughs> I I wonder, did he pay you, Severin? Is that what happened? The money went to the. I, I have amnesia right now. I, I think I fell down to hit my head or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it was it was uh, strange times. Uh, I mean, when 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 that I mean the, the Wild Wild West. It really was the Wild Wild West uh, oh, yeah. because athletic oh, commissions, cool. yeah, athletic commissions didn't didn't know what to do on this, and uh, you you just had some places that were it all just depend on their athletic commission and other things that they might just actually go in and shut a show down. Just for no reason, but but it just slowly it slowly started eking out. Um, it's niche left and right. I I do believe a lot of the shows were simply just taking place uh, up in uh, um, Colorado. Yeah, as back as Colorado's where they held yeah. several of them in the in the beginning, and uh, you know, the, but you know, it's kind of like how many athletes are are going to jump in there and and do like Colorado Springs. I mean, it's you got to look at that's uh. That's quite a, a high altitude. A lot of people didn't, didn't, weren't doing any crazy. kind of altitude type of training either. It's just show up and fight. That's crazy. You have such an advantage from there, you know? Yeah. Or, or be part of a show that got closed down on a Friday night, and then they, they, they load you up on an airplane and then take you to another city, and you're supposed to be fighting Saturday night. So, again, this the time, times have changed in, in a lot of ways. And for for the better, and, and and that's the good thing about it. It's like I like this. I like to see how it has really kind of it, it's gelled together. The sad part is that the athletes are still not being really paid what they're worth. Because when you look at if you make the headliner of a pay per view, proportionally there should be a certain percentage that should always be going towards the main event. I mean, professional wrestling was always that way. Where if you are the main event of that show, more people are going to tune into that show because you're the main event. And, and if you get a strong semi-main event on there, uh, you know, both both categories should, should help draw some people on in. And you're, it's all based on percentiles. You just get, you get a percentile. Everyone gets a piece of the action, including the undercard will get something out of it. But, you know, there's, there's still just the opening act to it. But that's professional wrestling and uh, the, the box world have been uh, pretty much doing the same scenario for quite a few, I mean, well, for quite a few decades. Now knowing that you now have WWE, UFC now underneath the same roof. You know, you got, you got the biggest uh, buy that, that that took place that you have now two major companies underneath. The reality of it is that 
you're going to see some more UFC stars that will cross over into professional wrestling and they can milk out their career for a few additional years. But you're not going to see any Love professional it. wrestlers try to move over to MMA and see if they can milk out their career yeah. <laughs> in that route because and there's a big difference between... When I try this, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And maybe they, like a Brock Lesnar. When, when, when was your first fight? Uh, my first professional fight? Yeah. I was eight, eight, 18. As soon as I could go pro, I remember um, I told myself, man, I'm going pro. I uh, I was training already street? a little bit. Was it on the street or was it in, in, a, in an arena? Oh no no! My my first fight ever was way far from a, from the arena. It was in the street, all all mainly in the street. But my first pro fight, I was 18 years old, and then I I did backyard fights. I got uh I got called up to go to Kimball's uh Kimball Slice's backyard. I got to compete there a couple times, twice. So that that was cool, you know. And then um and then just pro, you know, at 18, and then I just stayed like that, you know, just stayed training and learning as much as I could and and on the job. Yeah. Yeah, so, so you, but you only fought with Kimbo twice. Yeah, okay. yeah, I fought in other uh, like you know, like bullshit little hey, come fight in this backyard and stuff like that back then when I was younger. Um, it was like a, it's kind of like a big thing, you know, like oh, you could box pretty good. My friend boxes. Once you fight him, you know, and then we pet like some type of money, you know, and that's what eventually kind of got me to like Kimbo's backyard, and then we ended up at the same gym. And Kimbo already kind of his team more so kind of knew who I was. Um, I was very young, but I, I I had like a good reputation for 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 being action, you know, having quick hands and showing up to fight. So when they asked me to come to their backyard, I was like, this is crazy because Kimball Slice back then, when I was like 17, 16 years old, he was getting like 20, 30 million views on YouTube for a fight. Was, nobody was getting those numbers. I was like, wow. not even Michael Jackson, like nobody. It was insane. <laughs> I remember first seeing it on YouTube and I was like, this is crazy. What is this? And and these fights were happening here in Miami. So it was always like, wow, I would one day love to fight there. And then, you know, thank God I got to fight there. Yeah. And then you were 18. Who, when you turned pro, you're 18. Uh, who'd you fight for? Um, It was a company. They're not, they're not uh, around any longer. Absolute fighting championships. And then they would do a lot of co-promotions with uh, Hook and Shoot. I don't know if you guys remember Hook and Shoot. They were around for a bit as well. Um, they uh, they they would co-promote a lot of shows. So they brought in a lot of talents. A lot of future UFC Hall of Famers came through them. Um, uh, they they had good guys. They had good talents. It was a good scene. So maybe I had my first eight nine pro bouts with them. I I would fight other places as well. But you know, out of my first nine bouts, I think six of them. Were were with this promotion, maybe six to eight of the of, of my bouts, you know. And it was very very uh good competitive fighting, you know. It was a lot of good guy on this side, a good guy on that side. So I got a lot of experience there. Did you have ring? I mean rounds and rounds. You just ring. Like... Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. It was it was a uh, full MMA pro. It was five minute rounds, but it was in a ring. It was in a boxing ring. So a lot of my pro fights were in, were in a boxing ring. So I had maybe like seven or eight fights in the ring, and then they started using the cage. Um, but it was just five minute rounds, three of them. No, my first pro fights were, I think, two five minute rounds. Uh, yeah, just two five minute rounds, and then they let me, uh, the commission let me start doing three five minute rounds. If yeah. if, if they were doing them inside the ring like that, were were a lot of uh, athletes once they hit like on their back, 
and then they're going backwards stuff like that. Would they end up going like underneath the ropes? Get, get um, I it, it actually happened to me in Atlanta, Georgia, fighting another uh, UFC Hall of Famer and uh and fighter uh, uh Rafael Sunside. We were in the ropes and um we were jogging for position. He he might have been on the double leg or might have been a couple inches right before we hit the we hit the ropes. He had a double leg. And we ended up going through the ropes. Like we fell through the ropes. People caught us. And, and thank goodness, because the fall was like good. But if, if I would have hit the freaking floor, I would have not been able to maybe fight at the same level. You know, I could have fought, but I, I definitely would have had a distinct injury, you know, on my back or the back of my head. Because he was in on like my legs and I went to sprawl out and then pushed against into me and boom, we went through the ropes, you know. And uh, thank goodness some people caught us there. But if not, that, that could have been a bad one. Wow. I used to used to run these danger zone shows uh, down in Indiana, and we we do it in, in a ring. But I also had uh, I had two judges tables, but then I had two other tables on the other side with two other people just sitting there, and they thought that they were judges. I'm like, going, no, you're you're what was known as the people catcher. I go, you keep those fighters inside that ring, and I even had extra stays on the rope so that they would not open up as as much. So that because a lot of times nice. when, when you push it back on a guy, his butt hits that rope, and then the 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 what top rope will go right yeah. over your head, and they'll just fly right on out. So it uh, that, there were a couple that, times where yeah, there was a couple times when those people right there they, they caught him just so just to keep keep a line in, and that's when our face stopped the action, keep bring keep bringing back on in, start him live again. So but the cage, a lot of people thought that the, that the cage was kind of like really kind of a. You know, like uh, you know, almost like gladiator type of type thing. They just they didn't think they didn't. A lot of people were condoning on that because they looked at it as more like the Coliseum. But for the safety factor, because you were doing any and all techniques were allowed, whether it's a striking or grappling type of thing. So the cage made a whole lot of sense. The UFC cage, oh, though, yeah. it was only the, the cage was was only six feet tall. So if you're a six foot tall person, you would see this 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 bar across your head most of the time. Like, for, for example, like what I did with my cage, my cage was eight foot tall. So all you saw was the little right. chain-lit fencing like this. You could, from outside shot, you could shoot the camera right through the fence and then have a good view of you and your opponent taking place. And then you, you'd have the crow's nest up above it to where, again, that cameraman is not in the view of the viewers who are paying to watch the show on top of that. Okay. So, again, it was just stuff I, I did with, with the danger zone, you know, uh, decades, I mean, decades ago. How many fights did you have before you got in the UFC, though? Um, twenty something. I twenty. I don't remember exactly. Yeah, I had like twenty two fights and like that. Um, I, I uh, by the time I fought for shark fights, I already had like sixteen fights, seventeen fights. I had fought in Japan already. I had fought in uh, Who'd you Russia. Fight in, Japan? in Japan. So after Pride broke up, I'm sure you remember Pride. Uh, they they made two um. Two different uh, branches. They made Sengoku and Dreams. I fought for Sengoku. So I got to compete for them four times. And... I fought for Dream a couple of times. Thanks. Yeah, yeah I, remember. I remember. You're definitely in Pride. I remember those. Man. Those were yeah. wild. And then, yeah. Uh, yeah. Sure, yeah. We, I, I wanted to get into... My dream was to get into Dream. As corny as that sounds, because uh, um, it was just like the best for my weight class. At 155, they had like the best division in the world for a good period of time, for like two, three years. And it just so happened the team that I was at, American Top Team, was sending two individuals from American Top Team to the tournament already, so they couldn't send anymore. 
So I ended up uh, going with Sengoku, which had great fighters as well. Takanora Gomi was there. Um, Kitaoka. They they had a lot of good Japanese uh, one fifty five fighters. Yeah. Who was the uh, who who's uh, the the uh, the owner of of uh, America Top Team that was actually financing that most of that? All of that. Only one guy that ever financed the whole damn thing from start to bottom, still does to this day. Our general, a great guy, and he's also got a great name. His name is Dan. Lambert. Dan Lambert. There you go. Yeah. That is the man, the most humble guy probably too you you ever meet, like like that. But yeah, the, the the guy loved the sport, put a great team together, helped out all the athletes, helped out all the coaches, and um he's the driving force beat behind the gym, getting all these belts, you know. Did you know what Dan's up to nowadays? I have no idea. I mean, because I, I know I I I knew that I was pretty sure it was him that that, that did those those shows, but again, I, I just look for Confirmation from you, okay. What's he up to now? And uh, just managing the gym. He's there every day. Um, oh yes, okay. So America Top Team is still running ramp, running strong. Yeah. Yes, sir. We we just got another belt in the UFC at 125 pounds. Uh, Pantoja. Um, we just had a we we just had a Johnny Eblen defend his belt as well on Bellator. We had another guy compete as well in Bellator and win. We had two guys win. So, so in Miami. Um. Is it out of Miami? No, it's in Coconut Creek, one hour from Miami. Okay. Sir. Okay, Coconut Creek, Florida, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay, all right. Okay. Yeah, I think yes, I'm... How long has he had that gym? Um, I'm going to say like 18 years, something like that. I uh I got in there year three year year yeah something like that year three of a uh, American Top Team, um up and running, and uh, I've been there ever since. Never left. Never will. Yeah, good, good. Good vibe. Good vibe. Good. You know, there's so many talented guys. No ego in there. The coaches, a lot of the coaches were were um ex fighters, so there's no ego on that side as well. If you're loyalty, with this guy, loyalty is a rarity, guy. man. You know, it's good that you have loyalty. It's a rarity, man. I'll tell you. No, yeah. It, you know, if somebody's uh, good with me, I'm good with them. You know, and this gym has has given me everything. A, a, a lot, a lot. I I came there very raw, just being like a good, you know, um, natural striker. You know, with good hand speed, great reflexes and stuff. But they literally showed me everything else: how to like wrestle, jujitsu, offensive, defensive. You know, everything. So I. I owe him a lot, man. Great facility. Oh, here. Okay, let's, let's go for, okay, for a lot of people know you for is this this incredibly short knockout there of Ben Astros. W when did you come up with this this plan? Was this, was this your idea? Was it somebody else's idea? I'm just kind of curious. I'm just, no. where did this game plan come from? You know, um, Ben had a tendency to always freaking, you know, if you violate his face, he's going to duck. And he's gonna sniff a crotch, you know. He's gonna. <laughs> he's gonna go for he's gonna go. He's gonna go to the legs, you know. And, and and I'm not. I've never been against like wrestling, and grappling. But when a guy's using it to stall, like you guys were trying to hurt people, take them down and punch them in the face. Like these guys are just like they want to get into stall position, just put you up against the cage and just smother you. Not throw an elbow, not throw a punch, and that's not fighting. That's you're like wrestling, you know. So I I knew that that was a big tendency for him. So I, I wanted to cut the space on him quick without giving him a chance. These were my thoughts, that I would just rush his face, and he's going to go to what he's always done, which is 
which is level change and, and sniff my crotch. But I'm going to have a plan for him this time. If he does duck, he's going to fucking catch a knee, whether it's on the collarbone or in the chin. It's going to take him out of existence, you know. So I crept up to him walking nice and slow. And as soon as I sprinted at him, he did exactly as I knew he'd he, he do. He level changed. And when he did that, it was too late. Then he was already set up and ready to lock the note, you know. <laughs> well, you, you had, I mean, honestly, you had to be ecstatic when that happened like that. It's just all, the way it all played out right, right in front of you like that. To where, boom, he's down, he's I, out. I had been I had been seeing that knee um, for like seven weeks in my head. At that moment, then he, that moment, then he, so when it actually happened, it was like very surreal, very, at first I had a lot of emotion, but then I was like, holy smokes, I've seen this exact same thing in my head for seven weeks, every freaking night before I go to sleep. This is crazy. So I was, I, it was even more surreal. Like, wow, I, I knew this was going to happen and I made it all happen from right here. So it, it was, it was a great feeling and emotion. I, I did well the, the rest of the year and it was just, it was, it was amazing. Yeah, no, I was, I was uh, again, uh, you know, watching it that night. It's like, it's like, wow, that was like, what am I doing with the rest of my bowl of popcorn here now? You know, <laughs> show, show was kind of short lived. I think, oh, well, okay, that was uh, incredible. Let's, let's rewind it a few more times. <laughs> yeah, well, if, if the fat ass I knocked out didn't move so slow, I'd still have the record, you know. <laughs> Good, good company right crazy. now. And, and 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 uh he had it since back then. He's had that record forever, man. Eight seconds. Yeah. About time somebody. How would you guys after you guys would finish the tournament? How were your hands? Just fucking you couldn't even pick up a cup of water or bed or something, huh? Just be kind of sore, yeah. <laughs> you just wanted to grab a beer. You had to hold a beer with both hands, you know. I bet, I bet, man, that, you know, it's, you know, with trained guys that know how to fight, and you're going in the bare knuckle, and you guys would do three fights in the night, four fights in the night, and then, like you said, I don't know, two, three weeks later, you're down in Brazil fucking fighting the baddest guy over there, not knowing shit, no tape studying, nothing, it's just a different game, man, it's crazy, yeah. man, different game. Now, the internet has improved a great deal, and again, it's it's, it's for the better, I mean, you gotta look at that, the athletes can look up almost anybody, they can find some type of, uh, footage somewhere and uh that's that's good so i'm just glad to see that the sport continues to move forward i'm glad to see the athletes are making better paydays is it really what they should be being paid no but uh they're, they're at least moving in the right direction for, yeah we definitely got to keep pushing towards it and, and always advocating for these guys to get paid better you know yeah, I, I think there should be something, some type of a, a fund there that helps to take care of some of the athletes that do get hurt in the, yeah. in the name of competition because they may not ever be able to go back to any kind of a real career after that. So there should be some type of, a, I mean, all other sports have, like when you look at football and basketball and all these other pro-level sports, they have something right there to help take care of. Because they have a union. That, they have a union. You know, yeah. you couldn't unionize the fight game because there's always some asshole who would fucking fight for free just to be on TV, you know? And I mean, it'd be a, a shit, shitty quality show, but it'd still be the show. You know, you said it perfectly. There's all, they're always going to find a guy to do it cheaper. Right. It's not, you know, not that that's why the lockouts and stuff and MMA fighters, I think in jet more than any team, 
especially because the the way that we grow up practicing our craft, um, we're very individual creatures, you know. You're not really gonna peer pressure like a lot of times a fighter either to to, to like doing something. So it's like uh it, it's hard, I think, to get us all in one room, one voice speaking for us, unionized like that. It, it'll be tough for the fighters, I think, to do that. If they yeah. could do that, then sky's the limit if you had like a union or something of and that. Then nature. you start getting then you start getting the pay. You know, but, yeah, I I think it will eventually happen. It's not going to happen right away by any means, but it will eventually happen. Devability of it all. But like Don said, you could you could have fifty of the the top guys right now sit out, right? Okay, cool. In like eight months to two years, a lot of those guys might have been forgotten because UFC is going to pump a new guy that's going to do it oh. for cheaper, that's hungrier, that's meaner, that doesn't even know, like, oh. They, they, have, an interim, they have an interim belt. You know, that's what they enter in belts yeah. for. And, yeah. then, and then what, these guys' careers that are sitting on the sidelines and they're like, you know, they're watching these guys compete and, and their window of competition is getting shorter. It, it's like a tough play, you know. You, you would also have to, like, incentivize these big names for sitting out, you know, which... I, I really don't I don't see it happening that way with the UFC. I, I think the UFC as they keep getting bigger, um, I think they're just gonna hook up the fighters more. You know, I'm, I, especially if they get together, I think they're gonna just increase that pay. Hopefully, very natural and organic, and it doesn't have to come to all that. You know. Well, how are you paying? You got game bread, right? How are you paying the boys? Yes, sir. We're paying good because it's bare knuckle, you know. So, um, we we pay a little bit more than than maybe uh. A lot of these promotions out there, even, you know, the number two promotion, Bellator, we we pay yeah. pretty good. The the pays are, are going to come out now for what uh, Redoom and JDS made, and and they made good checks, you know, to throw down bare knuckle. But obviously, we're talking about creme de la creme. Both of them are ex-UFC heavyweight champions, you know. So we, we got to make sure we take care of those guys. But in general, even even a guy that uh would be fighting for like 500 and 500 with gloves, we considerably boost their pay up to do the same thing for us, but bare knuckle, you know? So we try to take care of the guys, obviously insurance, all that stuff um, we got for the guys. And, and you know, as the show keeps getting bigger, we keep getting more sponsors, we keep getting more money in. I'm a fighter first before anything, before a promoter, before all that stuff. So I, I definitely want to get the fighters to where they're all, everybody in my card is like, yes, I this was an experience. It wasn't just a fight, but it was a good experience. Great team, took care of them all. Uh, no favoritism to any of the fighters. Treat them all equally great and, and get them paid as much as I can because, shit, nobody knows that life better than, than us, right? You know? Yeah. So I want to take care of you guys. Good. You ever have problems with the, with the management? The, you know, the man, fighters' managers and things like that? No, You know, for the most part, the managing side and, and, and most of the managers that I deal with are very high professional and it's been amazing. You know, I run into like problems like we, we had our main event getting a car crash uh, eight days before his fight. So now we're scrambling in those eight oh, days wow. to get a main event. Um, I had a guy get like uh, either the flu or Corona, like the day of weigh-ins, you know, he got sick as a dog. And then the doctor's like, this guy can't fight, you know, and I was like, man, this is crazy. So we're scrambling to get the day of, we got a guy to, to to lose 17 pounds from American top team, um, drive up all the way to Orlando, like five hours and change in that part of uh, town, 
from from where they were at. And uh, he had everything right, but just the, the blood exam wasn't going to come in in time. So he even made weight and everything, but his blood exam didn't get in in time. So we couldn't make the fight happen. But crazy things like that, left and right, always in, in, uh, in the wow. promoting world. Luckily, I know so many fighters that somebody gets hurt or something. I, I, it's like several gyms I could call within seconds, you know. All down in 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 and around the Miami area, or are they within the uh, the state of Florida? You name, it. you you name it. In the state of Florida, American Top Team obviously is, is uh, one of the biggest gyms that we have in South Florida, and um, one of the most talent filled gyms in the world. So definitely, I usually go to American Top Team, but a lot of those guys are also signed to bigger uh, promotions like the UFC or something like that, you know. Um, but you name it, any gym in the country, in the world, I I have access to, you know. Nice. Well, what what's what are some of your social medias? I mean, if people want to follow you, if if uh, or want to get in contact with you, what what are some of your social medias that that we could share with the uh, with people that are viewing this? Gamebred Fighter on Instagram. And uh, Gamebred Bare Knuckle for, for the fight pages. Uh, Gamebred Bare Knuckle on Instagram as well or on Facebook. Um, and then, yeah, that's that's it, it right there. Show me some love. Yeah, no, again, that's where it's, it's, it's all about trying to, you know, to bring, in, uh, bring you to different people to help expand your career to other things. I mean, there's always going to be people that are looking for play-by-play, color announcers and things of that nature because you always have to look at your – like Don was saying before, most people's career, it's very short. And then uh, you have to move on to something different. So, yeah. You know, I got lucky. I got to, to do my favorite thing in the world, the, the funnest activity that I ever took a part of. I got to do it for 20 years. So, <clears throat> to me, MMA has has given me, I mean, every everything I have, literally, I could say, you know, um, um, uh, my two parents are immigrants. We didn't have shit growing up. I didn't have anything, man. I, I mean... I remember, you know, numerous times just fucking skipping meals throughout the week, just constant. That was a constant thing. And, uh, you know, this is the greatest country in the world. We, like I said, man, um, we didn't have anything growing up. And and now where I'm at, I, I couldn't do this in other parts of the world. They'd be taking 70% of my check, you know? It's yeah. fucking crazy. This is the greatest country in the world. So I, I definitely want to get out that, get that get out there again, America. Trump 2024. Well, I mean, are, are you are your are your parents still alive? If you don't mind me asking, I hate to hate to ask you that question. Yes, sir. Still... Yes, okay. sir. My my dad is uh is alive and my mom's alive. You know, good. They're they're both huge patriots. They both love this country. They both know the sacrifices that they made to get here, but they would do it all over again. You know, sure. uh, my whole life growing up, it was always like this is the greatest country. Even if we were like dead broke, we were poor, my mom would always tell my dad would always tell me. This is the best country in the world, you know. And as you're a kid, you're like, yeah, whatever, you know. Fucking sure, mom, you know. But as I started to get older and travel, I was like, insane. Man. There's no comparison. Yeah. And yeah, somebody, but, but, but then also as you get older and you see the more and more of the changes that are occurring in the United States, they're not necessarily in in a good direction. So. No, no, you know, we gotta we gotta win all three branches of government and um and stop this like uh socialism slash communism that they've been trying to push from the left side. <clears throat> you know, it's 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 bad. A lot of these ideas are the same. They're trying to shut down gas powered cars like 
It's getting too communist. They're going to, by when? What? You're putting a deadline, an ultimatum on American citizens that we can't use cars? Why? But wait, China could use them. Russia could use them. They could frack as much as they want to. They could do whatever the hell they want to, but it's it's okay. But Americans, you're not going to let us frack. You're going to tax us more on gas, and now you're going to make us get electric cars? Who the fuck could afford an $85,000 fucking car to begin with like that? Like, you're just going to make that standard for everybody? Who's going to make the affordable car? Because I haven't seen no electric affordable cars. Yeah, well, exactly. But but then when you talk about, okay, the, the sheer fact that that the United States is doing all this stuff about pollution control, that we're, we're changing climate change, just all this kind of stuff. You know, if these other countries aren't doing anything, what 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 is one little country going to do for the entire world uh, of, of changing pollution and things of that nature? I mean, Canada is right next to the United States. It, there's 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 the, the bridge. You can sit on. I could be on, on in, the, in the state of Michigan, and I could be looking right over into Canada, and I'm thinking. And you got you see smokestacks just building. I'm thinking this doesn't make sense at all. You know, we're gonna do something, and, and right across the river here is there, there's no no nothing being done. So it's like that's going, it, it's so ridiculous. That Trudeau's a fucking pushback, man. You know, I mean, oh, yeah. what he did to the truckers was insane. You know, he took took their bank accounts, took their fucking murdered their animals. You know, shit, murdered their dogs. Because they were having me on strike with them, and the guy, that guy's a straight tyrant. He's a communist, you know. Yeah. I don't understand Canadian laws. I don't, I don't read upon them or anything like that. So I really don't know anything, nor do I care to, because I've, I've always seen that they don't have a lot of our freedoms, like freedom of speech and things like that, you know. So you could get in trouble over there for saying stuff on like radio. For certain political candidate and this and that, I'm like, man, that's that's not a place for me, man. I'm in the greatest place in the world. You know, people don't understand how important that freedom of speech is. No, yeah. they're taking away from us because they're saying it's it's uh, offensive. You know, <laughs> fuck you, people. It's offensive. You know. Yeah, and then the next thing they're gonna want to do it, once they start policing our words and how we talk, they're gonna want to police like your mind. You know, they, it, it's, oh, it's crazy. Where, where do you? Well, they did that to the stupid people already. Well, again, you got to look at artificial intelligence is on the rise, oh. and that's a that's whole not- different topic whatsoever. Because I'm that makes me that that's probably the thing that scares me the most because artificial intelligence is way better than a human being, and it can outthink a human being. You know, which, it's which, definitely it's definitely can be like good or bad, right? We could be opening Pandora's box into into like virtually. You know, fucking Terminator. Yeah, you know, we could be fast forwarding to Terminator with these days. I mean, I've seen them playing ping pong against ping pong players, and these things are fucking insane. It's like a robot, and it's like boom, 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 hitting the ball, and it's fucking. It was smoking like pro players. I was like, that is fucking scary. How coordinated this thing is. Nuts. They could already beat like some of the top chess players as well, like the, the top. Human chess player could always beat the computer. I think just recently it happened that the world's best AI beat the world's best chess player ever. So well, we got to put brakes on these things. If it's, if it's up to me, we put the brakes on them hard right now. Yeah. Right now, put the brakes on them. Well, the police have robots, you know? Shit. I mean, good for them, but they're bad for us. <laughs> no, but then the good thing is if they got robots, then we could buy robots too. 
You know, that's only I'm gonna have a little army. I'm gonna have a couple robots now. <laughs> yeah, but they out. Thank you. <laughs> they put you in a corner. <laughs> Anybody watching, if you have access to the to the robots that we're talking about, send us a DM, man. We want we want discounts on these things. <laughs> oh, but even when you look at drones, you could be out having just a picnic with your family, and all of a sudden you got a drone that's over over your head, invasion invaded your privacy or stuff like that. So again, you got to look at. Is it, what, they got these drones. They got these drones that can see the the year on the quarter a mile away. It's freaking nuts. I've seen them. I, they'll be a mile away and they're right zoomed in on your face. It's nuts. It's it's, it's insane. Yeah. It's violation of privacy. Yeah, a lot a lot of stuff just just makes me makes me nervous in a lot of different ways. There's like going, whoa, I don't. Uh, we we need we need to put some buffers and some uh, some. Uh, some restrictions on a lot of this stuff because invasion of your privacy in so many different ways, you know, none of them good. None of them good. None of them good, you know? So we need Trump in there, somebody that's going to fight yeah. the regular Joe for the regular citizen and civilian. He's going to fight like a fighting dog. He's not going to take a step back. He's not going to apologize for his freaking actions. And he's a great leader, man, you know? Yeah. We need somebody like that. And he's not a politician. That that Since Trump first ran, I was very behind him because I would keep hearing, one, he would always never be shy to, to tell us. But also it made a lot of sense to me that we need somebody that was that nobody was in his pockets. He was in all these guys' pockets. He was funding all these other politicians. He was coming in here with his own idea his own thought, his own brand. He wasn't going to get bought out by nobody because he has all the money and, and he's a true businessman. That's why I, I love Trump from the start. I stayed with him when he first ran against Hillary, obviously, um, and been through with him now. I know he's like facing 600 years and people are like, only the idiot cheap people are like, man, how could you still vote for this guy? He's got all these charges. I'm like, you got to be an idiot. You got to know that all this is because that's how good this guy is to the people. This is the guy that's going to lead us back to prosperity in America. So yeah. it's just, it's nuts, man. The, I've what? never seen a president be so witch hunt, no, so so crucified ever in in, in the history of presidents. Yeah. This guy, like... Because he can't be bought. All he can't be bought. Yeah. Well, even, even while he's being attacked left and right, court case after court case is taking place, he's still killing it. He's still leading the country into prosperity in the whole night. Now I'm thinking... And yet, and he still got to run his companies on top of all this because he didn't take no salary, <laughs> you know. So, I mean, the guy was, the guy knew his stuff, and what I did, I did like was his very blunt and to the point candor because there were no fluffy poli political type statements being said. He just, you know, I, I think maybe that was might, might have been a carryover for when he when he was on that show, uh, The Apprentice. Was it was was that the show that was it the Britain where he was saying you're fired or something like that all the time? I mean, it, it was great because he was he was kind of like a heel professional wrestler at the time. Yeah, yeah, and he also did professional wrestling. It's the craziest, the craziest story. But you know, they try to use that against him. You still can't take away his great sense of business, and that that's that's what this country needs is going forward. Is we need to get these politicians out. And we need more successful individuals that are patriots and love this country, love the constitution and come into politics and do it. Maybe it's not the sexiest job. Maybe you're not, you know, 
that's not what you wanted to do in life. But after you've been successful already and, and you know, you should just do your duty to, to the country's your service. If you didn't go to war, then freaking come be a politician, be a great one at it. We need the youth definitely to get involved more in it, you know, yeah, and yeah, make yeah. it attractive. Yeah. Because like uh, said, if not, we're going to lose, you know. Yeah, we're going to lose in the long run. They, they've already infiltrated the schools. They've already infiltrated music, you know, artists and stuff. I mean, only only like you're, you're only hearing people like famous celebrities talking about how beautiful Cuba is and how awesome Cuba is. Yeah, that's because the government took you there. But how about try living there for a week? You'd never make it because there is no running water. There is no food. You know, you got to walk towards a base, uh, one of these set up bases from the government for maybe two days because the transportation is crap there. You have a, the little booklet that dictates how much stuff you can get. And it's going to say something like two eggs, a chicken breast, and a cup of rice. And you're going to go to the, the, the food child place and you're going to wait in the line for like six hours. And then when you get to the front of the line, they're going to tell you, hey, guess what? Close. There's no food. Go to the next town. That's a three-day hike because you're going to take a bus. You're going to walk through hills and you're going to take another bus. And then you're going to get to that place and guess what? No food in that fucking place either. How could you ever talk well about Cuba? 90% of these people are starving to death. Who does talk good about them? The celebrities, the, the, all, all the people that are like brainwashed. You know, you, you go to any of these places, you would never live there. You wouldn't want your family there, you know? And they got everything, man. The music, you know, luckily sports and they'll never have fighting because to be a fighter is is it's a whole other thing, you know? These, these other like basketball players that are brainwashed because they got those endorsement deals and stuff like that. Fuck you for selling out to America, motherfuckers, you know? <laughs> I think I'd vote for you there, Jorge, for for a political office. I like your blunt. I like your bluntness to the to the point, candor. We need we need more people like that. I I um for the life of me didn't care for politics like most people, most a, a good amount of my life, you know. So I was like maybe fourteen, fifteen that I really started to see why my dad escaped this place. Like what. You know, at first I, I heard that he got away from Cuba and then I heard, you know, as I got a little older, oh, Cuba's 90 miles away. Oh, not that far. And then I got older and I was like 12, 13 years old and I was like, shit, swimming wise, that's a, what? That's, that's a fucking movie. Swimming? What? Man, no way you did that. He's like, yeah, I did that. I go, but why? Why would you do that shit? The fuck were you running from? He goes, bro, you don't understand. You, you want to be told what's your favorite color? What to fucking eat? what you're going to be in school, if you go to school, and then on top of it, you can become a doctor and you're still a prostitute on the street. The, the women over there are incredibly smart. They go to school, they, they become a, a doctor, and then they still can't make ends meet and they have to prostitute themselves. That That's a yeah. failed government, failed equation, you know? So I, I, I knew about all since since very young. It, it's all my family would talk about at the family dinners, at family functions. It was always a very hard topic. So even though I didn't care for it, I... I, I it's groomed for it a lot, you know? Yeah, no, I, it's, uh, yeah, through my amateur career, I've been to all the greatest countries that held a uh, team that, that would compete in either the freestyle record or wrestling. And uh, they were typically almost all communist block type of uh, countries, you know, to go to Russia, Mongolia, Bulgaria, you know. <clears throat> that's the only thing the communists are good at sports, you know, because they're going to just fucking shove you in there from the age of five. And you got no choice. Yeah, well, but they're, they're going to do that. But then also you 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 get what you said about that, no choice. Yeah, you could 
there was always there was always this thing about, especially when it came to like the athletics, you got to beat the Americans. Is what what they were always really big about. You have to beat the Americans, and if you can't beat the Americans, we'll we'll find someone else that can take your spot. And because they're big about that, but uh, a lot of these athletes, they didn't know that uh, they're they're you they have their various coaches and they got their various uh, uh, dietitians and things of nature. They were feeding them supplements. But these supplements were also stuff that uh, caused all kinds of different types of uh, illnesses later in life for them. But again, then they yeah. were being taken, they were taking steroids and stuff like that at the time, but they did not know it. It was it was being prescribed to them by how their... Times, how many times has Russia been banned? You know, they, they've had to change their name in the Olympics. They were the uh, Russian Federation of Sport. They weren't, they weren't legally allowed to be called Russia because Russia was banned for, for cheating, but somehow, some way they they managed to slip that one in, you know? So it's it's just crazy. Um America's always under the most scrutiny and the most fair, I think, as well for the drug yeah. testing. Cause man, I so fucking drug tested as an athlete for USADA and I'm proud of it. I, I have a jacket that says how many times I got drug tested and passed the test, you know? Um no offense to people that ever did it or not. But if uh, we're talking about drug testing, I, I, I love it for it to be either really strict or if not, you know, don't do nothing. And let it be a wild, wild west. Well, I don't know. I, I don't want to. Don, you got any other questions? Because I, I, I know we, we've had you on here for about an, an hour there, uh, Jorge. But it's kind of going. I know you might have to get back to do, doing the, your other job right there. But we really do appreciate having you on and be able to share some time exactly. there with us. Would like to be able to maybe touch base with you again, some uh, you know, another six or eight oh. months down the road, just to see what 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 what's up to yeah, yeah. Maybe we could do a much quicker one, like a five ten minute one, when I have a card coming up, and I'll just talk about the card with you guys. You know, I got some good fights coming up. You guys bring oh. me in for like five ten minutes, we'll chop it up real quick, boom. Yeah, yeah, no, we'd love to do that to help you out, get get some more some more eyes to, to your show there. So, well, Jorge, Masvidal, I love appreciate having you on here this evening. And uh, have yourself a fantastic rest of your, of, your, of your evening. Thank you both of you, man. Both of you legends. Thank you guys for all the entertainment, all the years of great freaking fights. Inspired me to fucking to go out there and be like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life, mom. I don't give a <laughs> fuck what you say. Uh. Shoot, no, no. shoot, shoot, shoot. Okay, your social media is one last time. So people got, got one, one last chance. Your social media outlets. Game Bird Fighter on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, on Facebook, Jorge Masvidal, and on YouTube, Jorge Masvidal. Thank you, guys. Thank you. All right. Take care. Have a good evening. All right. Thank you for watching another episode of Dan and Don's Toxic Masculinity. You better like, subscribe, and share, or I'm going to come to your house.